Good morning. Please turn with me to Proverbs 8. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. By the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and, and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign, and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule, and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting, me, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, when I was beside him like a master workman and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always. Rejoicing in his, in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Thank you, Grace. Well, this morning we are continuing our sermon series in the book of Proverbs, and we come to Proverbs chapter 8. And I don't know about you, but this series, this whole study in Proverbs, um, first seven chapters really up to this point, has personally uh, just been really convicting. It's been challenging. Um, it's caused me just to be able to evaluate my own life and to ask myself just in what ways do I trust and live according to my own wisdom. It's caused me to ask myself just what are some ways in which maybe the world's wisdom has begun to crept into my heart and into my mind and my way of thinking. In what way has the, the wisdom of the world, do I, do I live according to the wisdom of the world and, and really not even am aware of it or, or not even realize it. And so that's, that's challenging, like just to evaluate and just think through just different aspects of how I have been bought into uh, the wisdom of the world or how I seek to live according to my own wisdom. And I think that's really the, the challenge for, for all of us and really the temptation that we all face, that, 
We live in a world in which we're just bombarded through social media and TV and uh, work at our workplace conversations and, and everything else with just all sorts of wisdom that is contrary to the wisdom of, of God. We're filled with hearts that oftentimes think about things and view things and have different perspectives on things that are completely contrary to the wisdom of God. And so that's true when it comes to everything from how we parent to how we handle money to how we process through and handle our emotions, to how we deal with conflict, to how we relate to others, to how we talk and communicate with others, and you just fill in the blank. That there's all these voices coming outside of us, and there's voices inside of us that are crying out with wisdom and answers to all these questions we have about all these areas of life that are completely at odds and contrary to the wisdom of God. And because of that then, wisdom then <laughs> would compel us and humility would compel us to take a step back and evaluate our lives and to ask ourselves in all these different areas of life, in what ways have we begun to buy into the wisdom of the world and in what ways have we begun to trust on our own wisdom as opposed to, as opposed to God's wisdom? And that's really what we're going to be challenged with as we come to Proverbs chapter 8 this morning. That within this chapter, what we're going to see are, are six different reasons for why we should listen to God's wisdom. Six different reasons for why we should listen to God's wisdom as opposed to our wisdom and as opposed to the wisdom of the world. And th this is really important here. There, there are six reasons. The key word there is reasons, right? Not, not like the reasons family. We have a lot of them within our, within our church. But, but reasons, right? The last thing you need this morning is just for me to get up here and tell you, don't trust in your own wisdom, don't follow the world's wisdom, just, just live according to God's wisdom. Okay, that's, that's nice. That, that'll get you about 24 hours, right? But what you need are reasons. What you need are motivations. What you need is a why, not just the what. And so then when you're tempted and you find yourselves in those temptations and situations in which you're, you're tempted to, to trust your own wisdom or you're tempted to live according to the world's wisdom, then you're, you're reminded of, oh, there's reasons for why not to do that. You need, because everything within you is going to try and compel you and, and pull you toward and draw you toward your own wisdom and the world's wisdom. And the only thing that's going to enable you to keep from that is if there's reasons that are strong enough and, and, and powerful enough to keep you from your own wisdom and following your own wisdom and the wisdom of the world. And that's what we're going to see the, this morning. We're going to see reasons, motivations, the why for why we should listen to God's wisdom as opposed to our own wisdom and the world's wisdom. And my prayer in this is that when we do find ourselves in those times where we want to trust our own wisdom and follow the world's wisdom, that we would remember these reasons, and these reasons would be powerful enough then to cause us to say no to trusting in our own wisdom and following the world's wisdom, and instead to live according to and trust and, and listen to God's wisdom instead. And so six reasons. Before we look at these reasons, first what we're going to do is kind of set the context or, or really establish the, the setting here of what's going on here in Proverbs chapter 8. And the setting or the context of Proverbs 8 is, is really seen in the first three verses of chapter 8 here. Look there with me. In verse 1, here's Solomon writing again, and he asks this question. He asks, does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. And so then we've seen this already in the book of Proverbs, specifically at the very end of chapter 1. But what we have here is that wisdom here, and wisdom here is, is specifically God's wisdom. God's wisdom here is being personified as a woman. And this woman, Lady Wisdom, is going out into the city and she's calling out really loud for anyone and everyone to hear her. And that's the point of these first three verses here. It's that Lady Wisdom, she wants to be heard. She wants anybody and everybody to pay attention and to listen 
to what she has to say. And we see this in, in two specific ways in these first three verses here. First, we see it in how she calls, right? And so verse 1 says that she raises her voice. Verse 3 says that she cries out loud. And the imagery, the picture here is that, what, is that we have here is that she's not whispering. She, in other words, she's not like the adulteress, right, in chapter 7, who, who's whispering. Instead, Lady Wisdom, she wants to be heard. She's raising her voice so anybody and everybody will hear, will hear her. Next then, we see that not only do we see how she calls, but we see where she calls from. Look at verse 2. It says that she cries out from the heights beside the way. That's probably a reference to the top of the city, the city, the city wall there. The second line of verse 2 says that she cries out at the crossroads. So this would have been a really busy place, an intersection in the city where a lot of people were. Verse 3, if you notice there, it says that she cries out beside the gate in front of the town and at the entrance of the portals. So talking about the, the, the entry gate, the entrance of the city where a whole lot of people would have been. And so putting all that together, right, this isn't like, like the adulteress in chapter 7 who's coming at night in some secluded location whispering so nobody will hear her. Instead, Lady Wisdom is, is going out in the most public of all places, crying out as loud as she possibly can. Why? Because she wants to be heard. And that's the picture that we see here. But look at what she says in verse 4. She says, and this isn't just a little whisper, she's, she's screaming this. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. And then look at what she says in verse 6. She says, hear like you can put five exclamation points, right? Exclamation points right after the word here there. Meaning what? Meaning, listen. Listen to me. Listen to Lady Wisdom. Listen to God's wisdom. And here's why. Here's why we should listen to Lady Wisdom. Here's why we should listen to God's wisdom. We see it in the very next word in verse six. Four. So then everything else that's going to follow after the word for here to the end of the chapter is going to explain and give us the reasons for why we should listen and hear what Lady Wisdom has to say. For why we should listen and hear God's wisdom. And the first reason that she gives is this, and you see all this on your handout there. It's because God's wisdom is right and true. God's wisdom is right and true. This is the first reason Lady Wisdom gives here in verse 6. Look there with me, the rest of verse 6. She says, hear or listen, meaning listen to me, Lady Wisdom, God's wisdom. Why? For I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. So then do you see here why we should listen to God's wisdom here? And why Lady Wisdom is saying we should listen to her? It's because all of the wisdom of God that he speaks, do you notice this, is right, is true, is righteous, and is straight, meaning, meaning it's honest. In other words, God's wisdom is never wrong. It never lies. It's never, ever corrupted. It's never, ever twisted in any way. Instead, God's wisdom is always 100% accurate, right, and true. And so then, in Proverbs 18.1, when, when God says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire, he breaks out against all sound judgment. 
Like, that's right. That, that's true. Like, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what others are saying. Isolating yourself from other people isn't smart. It's not wise. Or when God says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Proverbs 12.1. That's true. Like, that's right. Like, it doesn't matter how you feel or how defensive you get or how upset you get when others correct you. You're stupid if you, don't, if you hate their correction. Like, that's just right. That's just true. And the reason we know that is because God's wisdom is 100% always accurate, right, and true. And this is important to grasp. Your wisdom isn't. Your wisdom is twisted. Your wisdom is corrupted with all sorts of impure, improper, selfish desires and motives and distorted perspectives and understandings of all sorts of things. The world's wisdom isn't always right. The world's wisdom isn't always true. Only God's wisdom is always right and always true. And therefore, what? We should listen to it. So that's the first reason. The second reason we should listen to God's wisdom is this. It's because God's wisdom is supremely valuable. His wisdom is supremely valuable. It's what Lady Wisdom says next about herself and about God's wisdom in verse 10 and and also in verse 11. Look there with me. She says, Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. So do you see, that's, that's, some, that's a big statement there, isn't it? But do you see what Lady Wisdom here is saying about herself? She's saying that, that she, that God's wisdom is more valuable. It's worth more. It's more valuable than silver and the finest gold and the finest jewels. In other, in other words, if somebody offered you $5 trillion or God's wisdom, you take God's wisdom every single time. And not only that, did you notice what she says about herself and about God's wisdom in verse 11? She says that nothing that you desire can compare with God's wisdom. Like, think about that. Nothing. There isn't anything in this world, anything, any desire that you could ever have that could be more valuable than God's wisdom. And so just think about that, right? Your dream house, your dream spouse, your dream life, everything you dream about on your bucket list that you're trying to check off. Like none of those can compare with God's wisdom. God's wisdom is more valuable than anything that you would ever that you would ever desire. And if that's true, then, which we know it's true because God's wisdom is right and true, then we should listen to God's wisdom instead of our own wisdom and the world's wisdom. This then leads to the third reason we should listen to God's wisdom. And the third reason is this: it's because God's wisdom enables us to make godly choices or godly decisions. And then I left out this last part there. You might want to write it down on your handout. And exercise godly leadership. God's wisdom enables us to make godly decisions and choices and exercise godly leadership. So what he says next there in verse 12 and through 14 there. In these verses, 12 through 14, what Lady Wisdom is doing is she's describing herself. She's describing what she's like. She's describing her qualities, the different characteristics which characterize her life. And so then if you notice in verse 12, she says that she dwells with prudence, meaning she's prudent. She says that she has knowledge and discretion. In verse 13, she says that she fears the Lord. She hates evil. She hates pride. She hates arrogance. She hates perverted speech. In verse 14, she says that she has counsel, she has sound wisdom, she has insight, she has strength. 
And so all of these are characteristics, they're qualities of wisdom and of lady wisdom and of God's wisdom. In other words, these, these are the things that come with God's wisdom. These are the things that God's wisdom gives to us. God's wisdom gives to us prudence. God's wisdom gives to us knowledge. God's wisdom gives to us discretion. It causes us to fear the Lord. It causes us to hate evil. It causes us to hate pride and arrogance. It causes us to hate perverted speech. It gives us counsel. It gives us insight. It gives us sound wisdom. It gives us strength. God's, the, the, all, those are all the things that come with God's wisdom. And these are all of the things that we need to make godly choices, to make godly decisions. And so think about that practically, right? Like when you're trying to parent little Johnny, and you're like, I have no earthly idea what to do with a four-year-old. Have no idea. Have, have no clue what to do. Then God's wisdom gives us knowledge. It gives us insight in how to parent little four-year-old Johnny. Or when we're in the middle of a conversation with a friend or a coworker, and we're like, we have no idea what to say. We have, we have no idea what to say. Then God's wisdom gives us prudence. It gives us discretion in what to say. Or if we're tempted by sexual sin, then God's wisdom gives us counsel. It gives us strength in knowing how to respond. And as it gives us all of these things, then, it, then what it does is, it, is that it keeps us from evil. It keeps us from pride. It keeps us from perverted speech and enables us to make wise choices and good godly choices that are pleasing to God and that, that follow along this path of righteousness. But that's not all that wisdom does. Secondly, it also gives us the ability in verses 15 and 16 to exercise godly leadership. And this is what Lady Wisdom goes on to say about herself. Look at verse 15. She says, By me kings reign and rulers decree what is good. By me princes rule and nobles all who govern justly. In other words, do you see what she's saying? She's saying God's wisdom is the means by which kings and princes rule and reign and govern justly. And so I know like there's probably not many kings in this room or princes in this room, but there are other leaders in this room Right? Like if, if you want to be a just leader, if you want to be a godly leader, like at home, in your workplace, at church, in, in the government, or like any other place of leadership, then the only way to exercise godly leadership and to be a just leader is to listen to and follow God's wisdom. Like, that's the only way. You can't lead others rightly and justly without following God's wisdom. Like, God's wisdom tells us how to plan and make decisions. We'll get to that later on in Proverbs. God's wisdom tells us how to relate to people. God's wisdom tells us how to resolve conflict. God's wisdom tells us how to speak and communicate with others. God's wisdom tells us how to work. God's wisdom tells us how to lead and how to rule. God's wisdom tells us the proper heart posture of humility that we need as we, as we relate to others and a whole bunch of other things. And so put all that together. If you want to live a life in which you make good, godly decisions, good, godly choices that lead to this path of righteousness, and if you want to live a life in which you exercise godly leadership, in which you rule and reign justly over others, then the one and only way for you to do that is by listening to God's wisdom. It's by listening to God's wisdom. Second, or whatever number we're on. Four, I believe. God's wisdom leads. The fourth reason we should listen to God's wisdom is because God's wisdom leads, this should be a fun one, to material blessings. Parentheses, generally speaking. And this is what we see next. Look at verse 17 here. Please don't fall asleep during this part. <laughs> Lady Wisdom goes on to say in verse 17, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me. 
enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the, path, I walk in the way of righteousness and the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. And so do you see what Lady Wisdom is saying here when it comes to, to what will happen, what, what those who listen to her will receive? She says they'll receive riches and enduring wealth. That's, that's exactly what she's saying there in verse 18 and verse 21. So we need to be careful here, right? We need to be really careful here when it comes to these verses. Like the, These verses aren't ironclad promises and guarantees. Instead, these verses are general principles and norms. In other words, these verses aren't teaching like the prosperity theology that says if you just follow Jesus and obey Jesus, then you'll be wealthy and, and rich and, and all those things. But what these verses are teaching is a general principle for how life works. And that general principle is this. Generally speaking, if you follow God's wisdom and live your life according to God's wisdom, and specifically the wisdom that's found in the Proverbs, starting in chapter 10 through verse 31. If you do that, then you'll probably have some money and some wealth. But if you're foolish, and if you ignore all of God's wisdom in these Proverbs, and you choose not to live your life according to God's wisdom, and instead if you just live like a fool, then generally speaking, you're not going to have money and you're going to be poor. And so this is where you need to listen. This isn't always the case. There are a whole lot of exceptions out there, like Job, right? Who lived a righteous life and lost everything. Like thousands upon thousands of Christians living all throughout the world today who live in poverty. Or of wicked people who are extremely wealthy. And so there's a lot of exceptions to what's being said here. At the same time, though, these verses are generally true. If you work hard and you're not a lazy sluggard, if you handle your money wisely and not foolishly, if you live within your means and stay out of debt, if you're content with what you have and you're not jealous and envious of what others have, if you treat people right and don't live in continual conflict with people, and if you're honest and don't lie and cheat and therefore probably able to keep a job, then generally speaking, if you live like that, then people are going to be eager to hire you. You're going to be a good hard worker. You're going to be able to keep a job. You're going to have a steady paycheck, and you'll have some money and some wealth because of that. That's just common sense. At the same time, if you just say, forget all that, I'm going to live like a fool. I'm, going to, I'm not going to live according to, to God's wisdom in these ways. And you're just a, 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 a lazy sluggard and you're just reckless with your money and you overspend and you accumulate hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt and you continually lie and live in conflict with others, then the reality is you're probably going to struggle financially. And so then that's the point. That's the general principle. Why do you need to listen to God's wisdom? So you can keep a job and have a steady paycheck. And so you can, you can accumulate riches and have some, some wealth. While those who neglect it and don't listen to his wisdom probably, probably won't. Are there exceptions? Yes. It's not always true. But that's the general principle. The next reason, fifth reason, we should listen to God's wisdom is this. It's because God's wisdom is the means by which God created the world. God's wisdom is the means by which God created the world. This is what he, Lady Wisdom goes on to say in verse 22. Look at, look at these verses. These, these verses are just mind-boggling in so many ways. She says this. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up, at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. 
when there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world. So do you see what Lady Wisdom is, is saying here? She's saying that before anything else on, in, the, in the world existed, she existed. She's saying that she existed before creation. But that's not all. In, in the rest of, of, of starting in verse 27, she's going to go on to say that she wasn't just, she didn't just exist before creation. She's going to go on to say that she was the means by which God created the world. Look at verse 27 there with me. She says this. She goes on to say this. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Do you see what she's saying? She's saying that, that she, wisdom, was with God when God created the world. She, she was there. Wisdom was with God when God created the world, but it's, it's more than that. She just wasn't, she wasn't just there with God. Verse 30 says that wisdom was God's master workman in creation. That word master workman there, it literally means skilled craftsman. It means architect. So then that's the role that wisdom played in creation. Wisdom was the skilled craftsman. Wisdom was the architect. Wisdom was the designer. Wisdom was the master craftsman that God used to design and create the world in which we live. Like wisdom is the one who determined where all the stars and the planets would go and exactly how far they would be from one another. Wisdom was the one who determined where the oceans would be and what their limits would be. Wisdom was the one who determined where all the mountains would be and how all the mountains would be formed and on and on and on and on. Wisdom is the master craftsman, the skilled craftsman that God used to design and create the world in which we live. And so then think about this, right? If that's true, and we know it's true because God's wisdom is right and true, but if all of that is true, then guess what? We should listen to God's wisdom. Just look around you at this world in which we live and the wisdom it took to create it, the wisdom it took to design it, the wisdom it took to design this world and the order of the world and the universe in which we live from the planets to the everything else. It just runs like a well, fine-oiled machine. Like who was wise enough and smart enough to put it all together? God! By means of a master craftsman, a skilled craftsman named Wisdom. And so if he was wise enough and smart enough to design and create the world and the order of the world in which we live, then shouldn't we listen to him and listen to his wisdom and what he has to say about our speech and how we talk and listen to his wisdom and what he has to say about marriage and listen to his wisdom and what he has to say about parenting and listen to his wisdom and what he has to say about friendships and relationships and listen to his wisdom and what he has to say about sexuality and listen to his wisdom, what he says about our emotions and how to deal with our emotions, to handle our emotions, to handle our money and all those things. If God's wise enough to create and design the world we live in, then we have to listen to his wisdom, what he has to say about everything and ev anything and everything, right? Sixth reason we should listen to God's wisdom is this. It's because God's wisdom leads to life. His wisdom leads to life. This is how Lady Wisdom is going to end this chapter, starting there in verse 32. Look there with me. She says, And now, O sons, listen to me. 
Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors, for whoever finds me, here it comes, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. And so then this is the result, this is the end, this is the end result of those who listen to God's wisdom and follow God's wisdom. They find life. They find life. That, that's a, specifically we'll see later on, but that's a, a reference to eternal life. That this is where God's wisdom ultimately leads. This is the end result of God's wisdom. It leads to, it ends in life. It ends in eternal life, meaning life forever in God's kingdom here on earth forever and ever and ever. And think about that, right? Only God's wisdom can tell you how to live forever. Nobody else can tell you that. You can listen, you can go scroll through social media all day, every day, for the next 16 trillion years, and it's never going to tell you how you can live forever. You can watch shows, you can engage in conversations with other people, and speak wisdom and seek counsel from others, and nobody else is going to be able to tell you how you can live forever. Only God's wisdom can tell us how to live forever. Look at what happens to those though, who, who reject God's wisdom and neglect God's wisdom. We see it in verse 36. It says, but he who fails to find me injures himself. Meaning they're going to have a difficult life because they've neglected God's wisdom and they're living, they're living foolishly in this life. It's going to be difficult and hard for them because they're living a foolish life. But the rest of verse 36 says, all who hate me love death. So then just see the contrast there. Those who listen to God's wisdom and follow God's wisdom find life and favor with God, while those who reject God's wisdom die forever. So six reasons for why we should listen to God's wisdom. Which then leads to these three then major final practical takeaways then for our lives. Like if those reasons are true for why we should listen to God's wisdom, then, then what should we take away from those reasons? What should be the major takeaways that we should leave here this morning with in light of the reality of these reasons that we've seen this morning? Well, the first takeaway, see this on your hand up, the first takeaway should be obvious. It's to listen to God's wisdom. In other words, in light of the reasons we just saw, like why in the world would anybody else, why, would, why in the world would anybody trust in their own wisdom instead of God's wisdom? Like that doesn't make any sense. Why in the world would anybody, would anybody listen to the world's wisdom instead of God's wisdom? In light of these reasons that we just saw. Like that, that, that doesn't make any sense. But practically speaking, think about it. Yeah, in this room on Sunday morning, when maybe the preacher puts it that way, you're like, yeah, that's really foolish. Why, why would anybody do that? That doesn't make any sense. But you leave here, and 2 o'clock this afternoon, or 8 o'clock on Monday morning, or Thursday afternoon at work at 3 p.m., like it's a whole nother story. And we're tempted in those times, like, to forget all these reasons and instead to trust our own wisdom. And the wisdom of the world seems just really appealing and really gratifying and really satisfying. Let's, 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 let's believe that. Let's listen to that instead of all these reasons we heard about on Sunday morning. And so Proverbs 16, 28, God's wisdom tells us, whoever conceals an offense promotes love, but whoever gossips about it separates friends friends. So we got all that six reasons for why we should trust and believe and live according to God's wisdom here and not gossip. But when push comes to shove, we're tempted at times to gossip. Proverbs 19.15, God's wisdom tells us, laziness induces deep sleep and a lazy person will go hungry. So we have six reasons 
for I wish to trust God's wisdom here and not be lazy. Well, when push comes to shove, we trust our own wisdom at times. and We listen to the world's wisdom. And all we want to do is lay around and be lazy. Proverbs 16.32, God's wisdom tells us that patience is better than power. And controlling one's emotions is better than capturing a city. We have six reasons to believe that for why we should control our emotions. But when push comes to shove, many times we fail not to believe God's wisdom. Instead, we want to trust the world's wisdom, our own wisdom, and just let our emotions fly. The question is, why, why is that? Why is it so obvious in a sermon on Sunday morning, but it's not so obvious at 4 p.m. on Thursday this week? Why is that? Do you know why that's the case? It's because in the moment at 4 p.m. on Thursday, we really don't believe God's wisdom. And we really don't trust God's wisdom. Instead, we really trust our own wisdom. And we really believe the world's wisdom instead. And because of that, like this is the battle. Like this is the battleground right here. Like this is is the fight in the Christian life. It's who are you going to listen to, who are you going to trust, and who are you going to believe? You're going to believe your own wisdom that you're smart enough and you're wise enough to know what's right and to know what to do when it comes to all these different areas of life? Are you going to listen to God's wisdom and believe that He's wise enough and that He's smart enough to know what to do? You're going to believe that His wisdom is right and true. His wisdom is supremely valuable. His wisdom leads to life. His wisdom created the world. Maybe, Maybe He knows something about money. So I'll listen to Him. Like, Do we believe it? That's the battleground. That's the fight that we, that we engage in every day. It's a, it's a fight of, of wisdom. It's a fight of belief. It's a fight of trust. It's a fight of who we're going to listen to and ultimately who are we going to follow. So then evaluate yourself, right? And think about in what way specifically are, have you been listening to yourself as opposed to God's wisdom? Like what areas of life, specifically, practically, have you been trying to live according to your wisdom instead of God's wisdom? Like write that down. Talk about it in your discipleship community this week. Another question is what specific ways have you bought into as the world's wisdom begun to creep into your thinking and your heart and your, and your perspective and how you go about living life? Because it's creeped in and if you don't think it has, you're, you're fooling yourself. And so in what ways has it creeped in and how does it manifest itself and play itself out in your your life? So that's the first takeaway. Listen to God's wisdom. The second major takeaway then is this. It's to pursue God's wisdom. Pursue God's wisdom. Like this is the whole reason that wisdom is personified as a woman in Proverbs 8 here. The reason that wisdom is personified as a woman in Proverbs 8 is because Solomon is writing to his son. And Solomon wants his son to pursue after wisdom just like he would pursue after a woman. That's the whole reason why wisdom is personified as a a woman here. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves is this. Is this true of my life? Is this how I seek after wisdom? Do I seek after wisdom like a young man would desire and pursue and long after and seek after a a woman? Like, is that true? Would would somebody look at your life and say that that would be an accurate description of your life and your pursuit of of God's wisdom? Like, if not, then then here's some, you might want to jot some of these down, but here's some practical ways to pursue after, after wisdom, just like, a, just like a young man would pursue after, after a woman. Some practical ways to, to be able to do that. And none of these are like earth-shattering, like, oh, never thought about that. But here you go. Get up each day and read your Bible. Spend time each day praying through what you just read in the Bible. Regularly memorize and meditate on God's Word, on His, on his wisdom. 
attend um, our equipping class in the fall and study God's word and God's wisdom with others from our church. Actively be engaged in the discipleship community throughout the week where you can live out and talk about and apply God's wisdom in your relationship with others. Practice hospitality. Invite people into your home uh, to, to, to fellowship and to share God's wisdom together. Read good Christian books. Read, listen to good Christian podcasts and music. Minimize the wisdom of the world that you're consuming in and taking in each day. Just practical ways that you can actively and pursue after God's wisdom. Like, you don't just drift into God's wisdom. You're not just laying around one day and God's wisdom just knocks you in the head and comes to you. God's wisdom is calling out, just like we saw in those first three verses. It's calling out, it's crying out, it's raising its voice to be heard. But you have to listen and actively pursue it. Just like Lady Wisdom talks about coming to her gate, waiting for her, waiting for her at her door. It's going to her, spending time with her, being, being ready to listen to her. And those are some specific ways to be able to pursue and seek after wisdom. The third and final takeaway, and we'll conclude with this, is this. It's to worship Jesus, who's the embodiment of God's wisdom. Oh, this, is, this is huge here when it comes to our whole study of Proverbs, but in particular, it's huge here when it comes to Proverbs chapter 8. Like this, this right here is what Proverbs chapter 8 is ultimately pointing us to. That Proverbs chapter 8, it's not ultimately pointing us to wise principles to live by. Instead, it's ultimately pointing us to a wise person to listen to and to worship. And that wise person's name is Jesus. Like Jesus is the incarnation of God's wisdom. Jesus is the perfect embodiment of God's wisdom. That's why Colossians 2 verse 3 says that all of God's wisdom, all of it, is hidden in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 24, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 says that Jesus is the wisdom of God. It's in this way then that, that, that God's wisdom wasn't just, isn't just written out principles that we find in the Bible. Instead, God's wisdom is embodied in a person. And so then if you want to know what, what God's wisdom looks like in action, then just look at Jesus. Jesus is the wisdom of God in the flesh. And since that's true then, what that means then is this. Everything that Proverbs 8 says about lady wisdom and everything that Proverbs 8 says about God's wisdom then is true of Jesus, the embodiment of God's wisdom. In other words, as the embodiment of God's wisdom, everything about Jesus is right. Everything about Jesus is true. There's nothing crooked. There's nothing twisted in him. He can be trusted. Not only that, as the embodiment of God's wisdom, Jesus is supremely valuable. There's nothing that you can desire that compares with him. As the embodiment of God's wisdom, Jesus enables us to make godly choices. He enables us to exercise godly leadership as we listen to him, submit ourselves to him, and follow his wisdom. As the embodiment of God's wisdom, Jesus leads us to material blessing. Not necessarily a material blessing in this life, but in the life to come, we have a big stinking kingdom, an inheritance that is awaiting us in the new creation. As the embodiment of God's wisdom, Jesus is the means by which God created the world. Colossians 1 verse 16, Paul says that by Jesus, by the Son, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And so Jesus the Son is the wisdom by which God the Father created the world, and Jesus is the wisdom that leads to life. He's the only way for us to live forever. That Jesus lived the perfect life you and I cannot live. He died the death that we deserve by being our substitute on the cross, taking the judgment that we deserve for all of our sins. And three days later, he rose again so that all those who place their faith and trust in Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord will one day be resurrected just like him and will live forever in God's kingdom. It's in this way, then, that Jesus is the embodiment of God's wisdom that leads to life, eternal life. And so then, just put, put all that together, right? We live in a world in which we hear all these voices, 
calling out to us, wanting us to listen to them. Some of these voices are external, and some of these voices are internal inside of us. And in the midst of all these voices that are calling out to us and trying to give us answers and and wisdom for how to live in this world and in this life, there's only one voice that we ultimately need to listen to and pursue, and that's the voice of God's wisdom that's been inscripturated in this word and that's embodied in the person of Jesus. That's the only wisdom that's right and true. That's the only wisdom that's supremely valuable. That's the only wisdom that enables us to make godly choices and exercise godly leadership. That's the only wisdom that ultimately leads to material blessing. That's the wisdom that God used to create the world. And that's the only wisdom that leads to life. So because of that, then why why wouldn't we ultimately listen to him? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your wisdom. Lord, left to ourselves and our own devices and our own thinking and our own, and our own wisdom would be in a mess. And the reality is we are in a mess. We are in a mess because in the garden, Adam and Eve trusted in their own wisdom. They trusted in the wisdom of another instead of following your wisdom. And we have felt the consequences of that ever since. And so, God, I pray that you would humble us and help us to realize that we're not all that. We can justify things. We can reason things out. Our emotions can get in the way and try and cause us to view things in distorted sort of ways and we can live according to our emotions and our feelings and allow them to be our wisdom. God, help us to see the folly in all that and help us to be wise enough to humble ourselves before you and your wisdom and to trust and believe that you know what's right You know it's true. And to submit ourselves gladly to your wisdom. Even if it doesn't make sense to the world around us. And even if it doesn't make sense in our own mind. And even if it doesn't make sense in our own heart and emotions. Help us to believe and trust in all our different areas of life that you know what's best. And we pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.